Well, listen, if you've got your outline, if you've got your program, open it up, turn it inside out. Uh, there's a big giant mistake in the outline. I'm going to leave that for you to find in a little bit. Um, I don't have very many things for you to fill out. There's only like six blanks to fill out. And um, we are continuing our study on real happiness. We've been talking about how we try so many things to find real happiness. And Jesus, at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, said, you want to know eight ways to be happy, to really be happy, to really have a blessed life? We've been talking about how the word blessed and the word happy are the same word when it comes to the Greek New Testament. So in Matthew 5 eight, Jesus says, God blesses those, or happy are those, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Happy are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. What in the world does that mean? God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. First of all, what does that mean that they will see God? I mean, if you've read your whole Bible, I've read my whole Bible. I keep mentioning you should read your Bible. If you've read your whole Bible, you, you probably remember in there somewhere where it says, no one can see God and live. In fact, Moses, he saw God just the backside of God one time, and that was a really big deal. So what does it mean that the pure in heart, those whose hearts are pure, will see God? Well, what this verse is saying is that people whose hearts are pure they're the ones that are able to get up close to God. That they get to experience God's presence in their life. That they get to feel God's power in their life. People with a pure heart get to know God's purpose and plan for their life. And they get to live in God's peace for their life. Those are the people that really have it. Those who are pure in heart. For they will see, there's a lot in that word see, they will see God. God blesses those who are pure in heart. I want to spend most of our time today talking about what it means to be pure in heart. Because that's not a term that we use very often in today's language. We don't usually talk about a pure heart. We don't say, well, oh, she has such a pure heart. Now, listen, if you're from the South, you've probably heard, well, bless your heart, darling. And that has a lot of different meanings. There's some sarcasm in there. For those of you from up north, you're like, what does bless your heart mean? It's not a good thing necessarily. Um, we don't talk about being pure in heart very much today. Instead, we use the word integrity. Now, we know what the word integrity means. The Bible actually uses the word integrity a lot. Most of the time, though, the Bible uses the word blameless, blameless for integrity. And God says, I, I bless those who are blameless, or I bless those who have integrity. But what does it mean to have integrity? First, I want to tell you what it doesn't mean. Integrity or blameless doesn't mean sinless. It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean you don't make any mistakes. In fact, if you have to be sinless to be pure in heart, well then, or sinless to have integrity, then nobody's going to ha have integrity because we all blow it. All of us do. It doesn't mean perfect because if you have to be perfect and never do anything wrong in order to have integrity, well, then none of us are going to have. Nobody has integrity. It also doesn't mean that you never make mistakes. If that were true, like if you had to never make a mistake in order to have integrity, none of us would ever have integrity. So it's not talking about being perfect. It's not talking about being sinless. What does it mean to have a pure heart? Here's what it means in a nutshell. God is more interested 
in the direction of our heart than he is in the sins that we commit. Now, we get all hung up over the sins. God says, I'm not that interested in the sins that you commit. I'm more interested in the direction of your heart. Is your heart aimed at me? God would say, does our heart follow after Jesus? He's interested in our heart, not in what we do. God is always more interested in the why we do it than he is in what we do. He's always more interested in our attitude than in our actions. So in the Bible, there's a lot of examples of people in the Bible who they did the right thing, but for the wrong motivation or for the wrong reasons. In fact, we still have people around us today. There are modern-day Pharisees today who they say they're doing all the right thing. The way we know that is they tell us. They say, look, at, look at me. Look at all the right things I'm doing. You know, but it's, but it's for the wrong reason or the wrong motivation. God says it doesn't count. If you do the right thing but you do it for the wrong motivation, God says, no, 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 it doesn't count. You know, if, if, if you give to the poor or you help a family, but you do it so that you can have the selfie picture for your Facebook feed, God says, uh-uh, doesn't count. He'd rather you, you not help the poor, not help that family in need, if it's because you're doing it for everybody else to be impressed. We teach in our membership class, and also Pastor Rich over in class 201 teaches, you know, when we give, God says he loves a cheerful heart. He loves a cheerful giver. I saw a bumper sticker one time says, God, God loves a cheerful giver but accepteth from a grouch. But God, if you give begrudgingly to God, like you're like, oh, I'm going to give it anyway. You know, God says big zero. You might as well not give if you're not going to give with a generous heart. God says because I don't count that. I don't want your gifts if the attitude behind it, the heart behind it isn't right we see this in the old testament there's a lot of times god lists out all these different kings of israel and judah and most of them are all horrible but every now and then there's the king that he says this is a good king but god doesn't measure their their goodness or whether they're called good whether they did everything right a lot of these kings in the old testament they don't get rid of the right um idols they don't tear down the right poles they don't they don't do everything right but god says but you know what he has a good heart so he's a good king god is always more concerned with our attitudes and our actions he's more concerned with our heart why we do something than what we do so what is integrity if God is more concerned with the direction of my heart following after him than he is in the, the things that I've done right or wrong, what is integrity? I wanted you to write down three words. I should have included them in blanks, but I, I got all softy on you. It's like it's the middle of summer. It's at the end of the school. You know, school's about to start, so let me cut some blanks out of this thing. But I want you to write down three words. The first word, the first thing integrity means is wholeness. W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S-S, wholeness. Let me help you with the spelling. And that means wholeness, integrity, when we talk about wholeness, means that our life is not divided into compartments. Now, our society rewards people who compartmentalize their life. In other words... Society, our culture says, as long as you produce, as long as you're successful at work, well, then we don't care if your home life is a wreck or if your 
private life and your addictions are a wreck or your parenting and your kids are a wreck, all we care about is what you produce on the field, on the court, in the boardroom, in the sales numbers. That's all that matters. We're going we're gonna to celebrate that person, even if the rest of their life is like a really bad country western song, right? That's what our society does. Integrity looks at it differently. In fact, most people, when they think about their life, a lot of times people think of their life kind of like a pie chart or like a, like a pie where they say, you know, here's this big slice over here, this big fat slice. That's my career. And my career is a big part of my life. It's one of the most important pieces of my life. And, and what happens in my career doesn't really affect the other areas of my life. Like this slice over here, that's my family. That's my home life. And this, this slice over here, which is a little bit next to that one, that's my parenting slice. And then over here on this other side is, is a, a one-seventh kind of slice. That's my Sunday life. That's my church life and my spiritual life. And then over here I've got my, my life. That's my social life. This piece is, is social. And then, and then I've got this other little life, this little slice over here. Boy, I, I, don't, I don't really have that one labeled. That's because that's my secret life. Nobody at work, nobody at family, certainly nobody at church knows about, you know, my secret life, about all the compulsions, addictions, and all the things that nobody knows about because I keep that hidden. Then over here, there's a slice of my life. That's my friendship life. And the way we go through life, a lot of us look at it as, you know, the things that happen at church, they don't affect things that happen at, at work. And the things that happen at work, they certainly don't affect uh, all the things over here with my parenting or all the things over here with my friendship or my social life. In my secret life, it's not going to affect any of these things. Nobody knows about that slice of life. And when we segment our life like that, we lack integrity because it's the exact opposite of what it means to have integrity. Integrity means that my whole life is integrated. The word integrated is the word we get integrity from. My whole life as a whole is integrated with all the filling of my life. So what happens in my home life or my parenting life or my marriage or my social life, it all impacts my career as well as my career impacting all these other areas. To live a life of integrity means you live your whole life the same. Your whole life, you're the same, whether you're at church, whether you're at social, whether you're parenting, whether you're at work or wherever. It's the exact same thing. Integrity means wholeness. It also means, integrity also means authenticity. A-U-T-H-E-N-T-I-C-I-T-Y. Authenticity. Integrity means that I keep it real, that I'm the same person at church as I am at work, as I am on the ball field, as I am in traffic, oh my goodness, that I'm the same person at parent when I'm parenting as I am teaching Sunday school. We have authenticity. We're not fake. We're not phony. We're not somebody that we're not. What you see is what you get, the way we appear. Integrity means we're not pretending to be something that we're not. So it's, wholehearted, it's wholeness, it's authenticity, and the third thing that integrity means is unmixed motivation. Unmixed motivation. Leave you on your own for spelling those. Unmixed motivation means we do the right thing, but we do it for the, wrong, for the right reason. We do the right thing for the right reason. We don't just do the right thing 
but we have a selfish motivation, like I was saying, taking the picture of the family that you're helping for for props or from everybody, for everybody else's accolades. It means we're straightforward. We're pure in heart means we don't have a mixed motive. We do everything for the right reason. Let me give you an illustration of this. Did you know that you can pray to God and you can pray to God to get to know God and to be close to God? Or did you know you could pray to God to impress people? Have you ever been around one of those people? I, when I was growing up, we had this guy that they would call to stand up in church, and he would stand, and when he prayed, it was like, Almighty God! And I just assumed God was like standing at attention. You know, and I mean, when he would say, Amen, I mean, I felt like everybody should be clapping. Had you ever met somebody? And when I was little kid, I used to say, Man, I want to pray like that. I want everybody to clap when I'm done praying. And then I got a little older. I was a freshman in high school, and one of my best friend's sister was a leader of our FCA group. Her name was Cindy. When Cindy prayed, and she prayed like it was just her and Jesus in the room. And she said, Jesus, I love you so much. And Jesus, we need some help. We need help with this in our life. Jesus, please, please show us how we can live for you. And let me just tell you, when Cindy was done praying, I didn't feel like clapping. I felt like weeping. And I said, oh, God, give me a heart. Give me a heart for Jesus like that. I don't care if anybody, anybody likes the way I pray. I just want to be close to Jesus like she. I want to spend time with Jesus like she has obviously spent time with him. Even in prayer, we can pray with the right motive and we can pray with the wrong motive, can't we? Integrity, it's been said is what we do when nobody else is looking. Integrity is who we are in the dark. Integrity is who we are when we're by ourselves. Integrity is what we really think like and what we really act like and what we really do when nobody else will even find out. That's the real you, integrity. And we all can use some improvement in this area, as I'm going to point out. The more... We're interest, the, the more we're interested in integrity in our life, the bigger blessing, the happier we're going to be. Because most of the time, if we're honest, at least our society for sure, we're more interested in image. God's more interested in integrity. We're interested in our reputation, what people say about us. God's interested in character, who we really are. Reputation is what everybody thinks we're like. You know, that's, your, that's what you manage on Facebook, your profile. That's, that's why they have filters so that you can make yourself even look better than you ever look in real life. You know, there's 1,800 Facebook friends. You know, they'll never see me in, in, in real life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to filter things up. I'm going to make myself look really good. Your real friends are going, <laughs> he doesn't look anything like that. You know, that doesn't look like him at all. Uh, reputation is who we are in public. Uh, integrity is who we are when we're alone, just us and God. So what we're going to do this morning is two things. We're going to first look at some of the benefits of being a person of integrity, some of the big blessing of being a person in, of integrity. And I'm just going to give you three, three promises. I could have given you 10 or 12. I could have divided this into two different weeks. But instead, I'm just going to trim it down as much as I can and give you just three promises or blessings of integrity. And then we'll talk about 
a checklist of three things that we can do to improve, three areas. Could have given you 12 of those, too. I gave you five. I wrote down five, and then I scraped two at the very end, and I forgot to change it to from five ways to become a person of integrity to three ways. So just three things to work on and three benefits is what I want to give you this morning. The first, one of the great benefits that comes when we have integrity, I want you to fill this in, is I get, I get personal confidence. I get personal confidence when I live with integrity because I'm not trying to be phony all the time. I'm not trying to make sure that I'm putting them the right front with these people and the right front with those people and what do they expect of me kind of a front with those people. So we're able to live a life of confidence that I can just be who God made me to be with everybody. When we have integrity, we become the person that everybody likes to be around because we know who we are and we know where we're going. When you know who you are and you know where you're going and you live that in front of people, people are like, well, I want to follow you too. I want to be with you because you're real. You're, 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 when we're real, we're being truthful. And people are drawn to that just like they're drawn to God is truth. God, when he's... When he is placed before people as the loving father that he really is, he, he draws them to himself because that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for phony. We're not looking for fake. We're not looking for, um, for something that's not real. We're looking for something that is real. And that confidence that you get will be an attractive, attractive quality to everyone around you. Look what it says in Proverbs 10.9. It says, people... With integrity, walk safely. But those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Circle walk safely. People with integrity walk safely. What that means is that when we have a pure heart, when we have integrity, that we walk safely or we walk with security. That we're not insecure, we become secure. God helps us to be able to see his plan and his purpose for our life, that path that he has, and we can walk that path with confidence. We can walk that path with security to know that we're secure in God's presence. It's one of the things that gives us greater confidence to live with is when we have this blessing of integrity in our life. Second blessing of integrity is I get a lasting legacy. All of us who are parents and grandparents, this is so important. If you're not a parent yet, but you're going to have some kids. This is so important. In fact, if we think about our lives, you know, we sing that song, The Blessing. One of our favorite songs is The Blessing. And it's for you and your children and their children and their children from generation to generation to generation. The legacy that will last from generation to generation is this legacy of integrity when we have character. Because our character... When we, it gets translated, it gets transferred to the people who are around us and is carried on generation to generation. If you want to have the biggest impact in your, life, in your kids' lives or your grandkids' lives, the best thing you can do is walk and follow your Savior into the future. One day at a time, walk with integrity. Be who God's made you to be. Make the choices God wants you to choose to, to do. Do the right thing for the right reason. You do that in front of your kids, and God says, your kids will catch that. 
your kids, your grandkids will be changed because of that. Don't, don't take my word for this. Look what it says in Proverbs 27. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed, happy are their children who follow them. It's a blessing, moms or dads, the character that you've been given. Now, I know there's no such thing as a perfect parent, okay? None of us had perfect parents. None of us are perfect parents or will ever be perfect parents. But you have made some good choices. Those good choices that you make. You've chosen power up over some other choice. You've chosen wildfire for your middle schooler over some other sport or instrument or some other club or some other thing that they could be doing. You've made some good choices. When you make those good choices, those choices are passed on to your kids. Now, you might not think that way. You might think, in fact, some of you probably think, you know, my, my whole family's a mess. You know, I, that's not me, Pastor. I've made so many mistakes. You know, my, my kids are already past those days you're talking about. And I'm, I made the wrong choices. So it's not going to be a blessing for them. Here's what I would say to you. And I get it. Some people, you, your whole life has been, you know, what did I, what did I call it? The first person said, your whole life has been like a really bad country western song. You've lost, you've lost everything. You've lost your house. You lost your truck. You lost your dog and your hat. And whatever else goes. You can tell I don't listen to country music, right? Um, your life could be a whole mess. And it's a long time it's been a mess. Listen, here's what I would say to you. Your life is not over. Your story is not over. Your life does not have to be defined by all the mistakes you've made. You can make the decision right now. From here on forward, I'm going to try to follow my Savior into the future with integrity. I'm going to try to apply his word to my life and make the right choices for the right reasons. And that will change your kid's life. In fact, sometimes if you've lived a a messed up life or you've made a lot of big mistakes, sometimes that can be the biggest impact for your kids because the testimony they'll they'll tell is that, you know, my dad was 45 years old when he turned his life over to Christ. And from then on, he was a different person. My mom was 30 something years old when she turned her life over to Christ and she decided I'm going to quit faking it and I'm just going to live for Jesus and not worry about what other people think. And let me tell you, things changed in our house when my mom made that decision. That can be a powerful legacy. No matter what your story has been, that doesn't have to be how you finish. It's never too late to start over and to start living a life of integrity you can still leave a lasting legacy. Never too late. Story's not over. All right, so you get personal confidence. You get this lasting legacy. And then the third blessing, the only one I want to, other one I want to talk about today, is I get rewards for eternity. I get rewards for all of eternity. And in, the, in that sense, this one is the greatest blessing because it not only lasts for the rest of our lifetime, it really lasts forever and forever. Look what the Bible says about this in Matthew 25, 21, where God, it says that God one day will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. We think that the rewards come in the big moments of life. That when you get to that big moment in life, that big decision, am I going to have integrity or am I going to walk away from this, that those big crossroads are where. But you know what? The truth is those big moments are easy because, you know, everybody's watching. 
You know all eyes are on you when you're making that big decision. You can build yourself up. You know it's coming. But God says it's actually in the small things in life that he's watching for integrity. He's watching in the everyday decisions of life. How do we get integrity into our lives? How, what does it even look like? If you want to have security in your life, you've got to get integrity in your life. If you want to have stability in your life, you've got to get integrity. If you want to have confidence, then you've got to have to have a lack of integrity. When we, when we lack integrity, we're going to lead an insecure life. The whole reason we have security, the whole reason is because we have, we have wholeness and authenticity and unmixed motivation. Those are what, what we have when we have integrity in our life. So I want us to give you, I want to just give you a, a little three things that we can work on this week, this month. I'm not going to have to spend a lot of time explaining them because as soon as you hear them, you're going to know what they are. They're easy to explain. They're difficult to live out. But all of us, whether you go to school, whether you go to work, whether you're retired, they all apply to all of us. So what I'm going to, what I'm going to give you is something that you've got to commit to not just... I've got to be equally committed to my marriage as I am to my career. I've got to be equally committed to my kids, to my home life, as I am to my work life and making money. So let me give you just three common ways that we can work on integrity, improving our integrity, which is going to improve our blessed, it'll bless our life and improve our happiness. Number one, if I'm going to have integrity, a person of integrity keeps his promises by keeping my promises. I become a person of integrity by keeping my promises. People of integrity, they keep their word. If they say they'll do it, they'll do it. If they say they'll be there, they'll be there. If they say you can count on it, then you can count on it. People of integrity keep their promises. This is verbal integrity. Proverbs 25:14 says a person who promises a gift but doesn't give it, is like clouds and winds that bring no rain. Has that happened to you recently where you saw the clouds and you saw the wind, you can almost smell the rain, and, and it's like they're on TV, they're saying it's raining two inches over in Deberry, but over here at our house, we got no rain. You know, I was just about to turn my sprinkler off, but oh, it didn't come. It teases us, doesn't it? person who promises a gift, doesn't give it, is like that. So the question for us is what promises have you made that you have not kept? What promises need to be kept for the sake of eternity? Have you made some promises to your kids and not kept them? By the way, broken promises are the number one cause of bitterness in our children. Number one cause of bitterness. You can probably, you can probably think back to your life and you remember Three, four, five, or more examples of times where your dad said one thing and did something different. Or your mom promised something and she reneged. Broken promises cause bitterness when parents make them. But mom, you said. But dad, you said. And we break a promise. How about your spouse? Have you made a promise to your spouse that you would change something or you would do something and you haven't changed it or you haven't done it? That's a broken promise. 
Have you made a promise to God, a, a spiritual promise? We, we call spiritual promises vows, but you haven't kept it. That's, that's, breaking, that's a lack of integrity. Now, I know what happens because I'm just like you. We say, well, you don't understand. Circumstances changed. I thought things were going to happen this way, and that's why I made the promise. But things didn't roll out that way. They rolled out a whole different, a whole different way. Circumstances have changed. Here's what I want to say when circumstances have changed. It doesn't matter. If we made a promise, then we've got to keep our word, even if it's not beneficial to us, even if it costs us more than we thought it was going to cost. Well, I didn't know it was going to cost me that much. I didn't know it was going to cost me that much money, that much time, that much effort. That much energy? Yep, but you made a promise. So a person with integrity keeps their word, even when it costs us more than we thought it was going to cost us. We keep our promises. All right, aren't you glad I don't have to spend very long on either one of these? You probably already know what promise it is that God's reminded you that you need to keep. Number two, we become a person of integrity by doing my best at work. By doing my best at work. Oh, this is a good one. Vocational integrity. Having integrity where you work. Doing our best at work instead of slacking off when the boss isn't watching. Some people, have you noticed that? Some people only work hard when the boss or the owner or the supervisor is around. And as soon as they're gone, and they're gone a lot nowadays, people are slacking off, they're goofing off, they're on Pinterest all day, or you know, they're, they're on their phone on surfing social media all day, or... This time of year, they're, they're on their computer searching the waiver wire for their fantasy football team all day. And, um, you know, they, they, they're taking breaks or they're coming back late. As long as there are no consequences, in most, most companies, people are not being supervised like they used to be. So today, especially with telecommuting, it's very easy to steal time. It's very easy to, to not show up. You know, you can be a part of a Zoom meeting, put your little Zoom profile over there, and you kind of leave the room. You know, you kind of put your earbuds in, and you're at Walmart, you know. You're listening to them go on and on and on. You're hoping they don't call your name because if you have to say something, right the time you hit unmute, it's like, attention, Walmart shoppers, right? And uh, you're trying to give in. Oh, no, that's my wife's, uh, you know, that's my wife's computer uh, over there. Uh, yes, we've got to work hard at work. And you might say to yourself, well, Jerry, you don't understand. Everybody in my company is slacking off, or nobody works hard in my company. As respectfully as I can, would say, so? So what? Maybe they're not a Christ follower. Maybe they don't care about integrity. Maybe they don't care about leaving a legacy or eternal rewards or living a life of personal stability. But we do. So whether, whether they work hard, whether the other guy works hard or not, is really irrelevant to us. The question is, am I doing my best work? And if not, we need to change. We don't just do the minimum. We don't just do, well, what are they inspecting or what are they, you know, testing me on? We've got to give it our best shot. Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. God is really your boss. He's always watching us. That's the market of, in of, of integrity. Imagine if Christians were known as hard workers with integrity. 
what kind of witness we would have in the world. There's like two, two billion Christians. What if on Monday morning every Christian tomorrow goes to work and says, you know, I don't care if everybody goofs off. I don't care if everybody else slacks off. I'm here to do a God, good job. I don't care if everybody else's attitude is, well, that's good enough for government work. I'm going to work diligently. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work cheerfully. I'm going to give it my best. What if, what if we did that? And the world looked at it and were like, man, I only want to hire Christians. I mean, I know HR has its own opinion, but, you know, I want to, I'm only going to hire Christians because they put in the extra work, the extra effort. They, they go the second mile. They're honest. They don't cheat. They're not lazy. They work hard. What kind of witness will we have in the world if every Christian applied this, this act of integrity to their work life? All right, third one, last one. Number three, not only am I going to be keep my promises, not only am I going to work hard at work by doing my best, but number three, I become a more person of integrity by being real with others. By being real with others means I don't fake it. It means we don't pretend. It means we are ourselves. What we're talking about is what we talked about earlier, that we're authentic that we're genuine, that we're the same person at church on Sunday as we are at work on Monday. We're the same person with my family and with my church life as I am online. That I'm not one way in church and another way on the golf course or in traffic. We're always the same. Now, it doesn't mean that we're sinless. It's not that we don't make mistakes. We're always going to make mistakes. But our heart is pointed in the right direction. It's pointed at our Savior. And we're real with people. We're not phony. We're not fake. Second Corinthians 4.2, this is from the message paraphrase. It says, we refuse, Second Corinthians 4.2, we refuse to wear masks. Now, no, as soon as I read that, some of you have found your life verse right now. <laughs> You're going to be quoting this all over. Remember, this is just a paraphrase from the message. That's why I looked it up. We refuse to wear masks. And thank you, Dr. Peterson. And we refuse to play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. In other words, we don't say, well, I think it means this when I really don't like what it says. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. It's saying there that our life is like an open book. We're authentic. What you see is what you get. And in a world that is absolutely obsessed with appearance and image, I mean, it's all about how you look or what your life looks like. How can you keep it real when everybody is kind of faking it? When everybody is, is nobody has integrity it seems they're all cheating and skimming and you know and bending the truth kind of a thing how in the world do you keep it real there's only one way we as believers have to care more about what god thinks about us than we do about what everybody else thinks we have to care more about god's approval and run for an audience of run one rather than the 1800 people who we say are friends on our facebook page that we really don't even we don't even agree with half of them on any on any given subject. Yet we sometimes live our life or manage our life based on what we think they will think about us rather than what God who knows us thinks about us. If we care about what other people think, we're often going to do the wrong thing. Because, have you noticed this? 
what God thinks is unpopular often. Have you noticed this? What God says is hard, harder to do than what the world says to do. Sometimes it's difficult to follow God with integrity and to do what he's called us to do with the right motivations. But if I care more about hearing from him, well done, good and faithful servant, than thumbs up on Facebook, if I care more about what he says about me than what other people think about me, how are we going to do this? Psalm 119.9 tells us the way. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Circle purity. There's that word again. A pure heart. How can a young person have integrity of heart? By living according to your word. This doesn't apply to young people. It applies to all of us. We must stay in this book. If we don't stay in this book, we won't have the strength, we won't have the stamina to do the right things for the right reason, to be real and authentic in public. We have to stay in his word. If we're serious about becoming a, a person of integrity, the first step that we have to do is we have to admit that we've got a ways to go, that we're not a person of integrity all the time. So we just say it. We say, God, I admit it. I don't always keep my promises. I admit it. By the way, you're not admitting it for God's benefit. He already knows, right? We're just acknowledging. I don't always do my best at work. Sometimes I slack off. God, I'm, I'm not always real with people. I pretend. So we admit it. That's the first thing. God, I have a segmented life. I don't bring my spiritual life into work or into home or into some of these other areas. I've, I act one way here and I act another way there for those people. You see, God doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he does expect us to have integrity. Part of integrity is acknowledging that we've got a ways to go. That's the starting point. I admit it. I don't have integrity in some of these areas, Lord. Listen, I'm your pastor. I'm the same way. I don't do it all right either. Uh, I make a lot of mistakes. I'm, I'm not unselfish. I'm selfish. I'm not gentle. Next time, be gentle. I'm not kind. Get out of the way when you're turning right, when you're turning left. But I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be um, a jerk. And I don't want to be, you know, someone that's unkind or selfish. So when God looks at me, he doesn't look and go, man, that Jerry Walsh, what a screw up he is. What a failure he is. You know, he ought to to know better than this. He's preaching on this on Sunday. Oh, my goodness, how can he not have this down yet? You know, why did he fall for that one? That's not how God looks down and sees me. What he does is he looks down and he says, look, there's a guy, makes a lot of mistakes. But his heart, in his heart, he wants to follow me and he wants to do the right thing for the right reason. Remember, God is more concerned with our heart and the direction of our heart than actually what we do. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be sinless. But you can sin less. I'll say it again. You're not going to be sinless, but you can sin less. That's a choice, and it's the choice of integrity. By saying to God, God, I don't always keep my promises, but I want to. God, I don't always do the best job at work, but I want to do better. God, I'm not always real with everybody, but I want to be authentic. That's the direction of my heart. I don't want to fake it. And when you come to God and you say, God, I want my heart to follow you and be in your direction." 
than God can say about you like he did about King David. If you, read, if you read King David's story, hey, David committed adultery and David committed murder. Yet God looks at David's heart and he says, here's a man whose heart is after me. His whole heart is coming after me. And God commended him for that. He looked past the sin at the direction of David's heart. He looked past your sin that have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And he looks at your heart and says, are you going to follow me? Are you going to align your heart with my purpose and plan and love for your life? If we will go in the right direction, he'll help us. Here's three ways this week. We can all start working on keeping our word and keeping our promises. Maybe we need to go back and fulfill some that we've already made. We can all do better at work at working as if it's unto the Lord. And we can all, all of us, can do better in our response of being real to others by living an authentic life. But to do this, we really need God's grace and we need his help. When we bow our heads, we'll ask him to help us. Now, I'm going to pray a prayer as we bow our heads and close our eyes. I just want you to invite you to pray it as well in your own heart. And just say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus Christ, I thank you that you are sinless, that you never sinned, that you are the ultimate example of integrity so that you could pay the price for my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Just say that in your own mind. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and paying for my sins. There's no way, God, that I could measure up to your standard of perfection. And that's why I need your grace. That's why I need your forgiveness. That's why I need your salvation. Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to pay for all my sins. You know, the confession of bad works is the beginning of good works. So why don't you just have a little confession time with God? Why don't you just say, God, I admit it. I admit it that I don't always keep my promises, but I want to. And God, I admit that I I don't always do my best. I don't always work hard and cheerfully. I slack off because some days I just really don't like my job. A lot of days. But help me to remember that whether anybody else notices what I do or not, you notice. So help me to do my work with excellence, with quality, with integrity. Knowing I'm really working for you as my real boss. And God, I need you to give me the courage to be real with people. I'm so tired of playing games, it's exhausting. I'm tired of maneuvering and manipulating behind the scenes. I just want to live my life as an open book. Not perfect, not sinless, but authentic and whole. I want today, Jesus, to commit to being a person of integrity. I want a pure heart that you can bless. That will bring me real happiness. Help me to stay in your word every day. Because it's your word that's going to keep my heart pure. Now listen, if you've never invited Jesus Christ to forgive you of all your sins and be the Savior and the Lord of your life, why don't you just real quickly just say that now and say, Jesus, I don't understand it all. Thank you for dying for my sins. And I ask you to become the leader and the Lord and the manager and the boss and the Savior of my life. I want your purpose and your plan. 
for my life. I need your peace and your power. So I humbly ask this in Jesus, in your name, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you how it applies to our life in such a big way. Help us this week to live a life of integrity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's Mal again. Thanks for worshiping with us today. We hope what you heard will enable you to live a life of integrity in the coming week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and be sure to join us again next Sunday. See you.